Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men and Their Top Ten. I'm John with my co-host Scott. If you'd like to check out our social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all with the same handle, at 2MAMTOP10. That's at the number 2MAMTOPTEN. Also, you can support us monetarily if you are so inclined. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash 2MAMTOP10, you can sign up to provide a monthly contribution of $0.99, $4.99, or $9.99. If you would like to subscribe or follow our show, you can find us on Anchor and Spotify the easiest. We are also on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and most other places where you find podcasts. Please Rate, follow, and review, and let us know what types of lists you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. Full disclosure, our current to-do list is over 250 items long, but that doesn't mean they're all good ideas. What's your favorite genre of movie? What's your favorite year in movies? Who's your favorite actor or actress? There's nothing we won't talk about that's movie-related. Now let's get on with the show. Part 2 of Top 10 Movies based on television shows, where we are giving you our picks five through one. So let's go. My number five, I have to replace Maverick. And I'm going to do that with Land of the Lost, a 5.3 on IMDb, came out in 2009. A tomato meter of 26% and an audience score of 32%. Um, directed by Brad Sieberling. Based on television series uh, written by Sid Croft and Marty Croft. This screenplay by Chris Hinchy and Dennis McNichols. Uh, the film stars Will Ferrell, Anna Friel, Danny McBride, Yormak Tacone, uh, Matt Lauer as himself. Uh, John Boylan, Leonard Nimoy as the voice of Zarn. And... The original actors who played Holly and Will, Kathy Coleman and Wesley Year, film cameos, but they were cut. They didn't make it into the movie. Um, Paleontologist Rick Marshall takes Will and Holly into a new world of danger, dinosaurs, and big bug-eyed lizard people while trying to find their way back home, save the universe, and save his reputation by doing so. The dinosaur with brains, brawn, and personality, and the adventure of scientific advancement and exotic beast in a faraway land all add up to time-traveling fun and, fun and frolics. Uh, this is another Dragnet slash Starsky Hutch type mm -hmm. um, 
you know, poking fun, adding some jokes. Yeah. Uh, it. Yeah. I like that. You know, the, the film starts out with uh, Rick Marshall, played by Will Ferrell, uh, getting ridiculed by Matt Lauer. And then he goes through this whole thing, and it, he ends up being right somehow, miraculously. And he comes back to promote his new book with Matt Lauer. And the title of that book is Matt Lauer Can Suck It. <laughs> yeah. It may be one of my favorite jokes of the film. <laughs> yeah. Especially where Matt Lauer is now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this is in a. Yeah, I also had a crush on Anna Friel going through this. And she had a a movie with um Let's see, Eddie, Eddie Griffin, where, yeah, Eddie Griffin uh, wins a contest by faking the fact that he wrote this poem and the contest sends him to Ireland. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's called Irish Jam. Yeah. I, I haven't I, seen it, but heard of it. I've, I've watched it purely because Anna Friel was in it. <laughs> and I can't remember anything else about it. <laughs> but she's very good in this movie. As she's the, she's the straight, she's the straight one <laughs> to Will Ferrell and um, Danny McBride. Danny McBride. Yeah, you have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it. Uh, this is another one of those that uh, is just fun, silly movie. Um, you know, it's not it's not the best thing that either of them has done, you know, McBride or Farrell, but they're both very funny in it. I remember I just remember the do you believe? Yeah, <laughs> that thing. And then, um, yeah, it's just a fun, goofy little movie. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, this was on my backup as well. Um, um, I like that. And I like when Will Ferrell is, you know, talking about. Uh, the T-Rex and how they have a, their, their brain is the size of a walnut yeah. and the T-Rex drops a walnut that's you know yeah it's a huge. boulder yeah <laughs> and he's like yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of silly jokes like that in the movie and I, I yeah, like I said I, I think it works um, I don't mm-hmm. know why it's so rated so low I don't know it <clears throat> but I mean, I think it's a good example of, of what it is. I don't know what people were expecting from it, but, um, and I've never seen the original series. There was a, like, a, there was a remake series that came out in like the nineties. I remember that was on Saturday mornings that I, I remember seeing that show. I, I remember watching that every Saturday um, mm-hmm. and enjoying it. And 
you know, obviously, again, it's 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 more serious um, than the movie, but um, and it's it, but it is one of those like it it this almost more than Dragnet or uh, Maverick like benefits from the comedy because if you made a straight laced Land of the Lost movie, it would be funny inadvertently anyways because it's so <laughs> you know goofy and you know it's got such a strange premise that like. There really isn't any other option then to kind of make it funny and whatever. And then casting Will Ferrell is just like he's, you know, he's Will Ferrell, you know. So yeah, and it it kind of you know pokes fun at the original where you know the slee slacks are moving so slow. <laughs> yeah, and they're like they're moving so slow. What are we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It benefits from that self-knowing kind of humor. And... Yeah, I like it. It's a good one. All right. My number five is uh, kind of sticking with the funny um, thing here. Uh, my number five is Get Smart uh, from 2008 with an IMDb rating of 6.5. Uh, with a 51% tomato meter and a 67% audience score. Uh, it's based on the show Get Smart, created by Mel Brooks and Buck Henry, uh, which ran from 1965 to 1970. Uh, it's directed by Peter Siegel, screenplay by Tom J. Assel and Matt Ember. Uh, stars Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, Alan Arkin, Dwayne Johnson, Terrence Stamp, Terry Crews, David Ketchner, James Kahn and Bill Murray. And American Maxwell Smart works for a government spy agency in an administrative capacity. When the agency's head office is attacked, the chief decides to assign Maxwell as a spy and partners him with sexy Agent 99, much to her chagrin. The duo nevertheless set off to combat their attackers by first parachuting off an airplane and landing in Russian territory followed closely by an over seven feet tall, 400 pound goon known simply as Dallop. The duo handicapped by Maxwell's antics will eventually have their identities compromised and may be chalked up as casualties. While back in America, their attackers have already planted a bomb that is set up to explode in a concert. So I actually uh, was very familiar with the show Get Smart. Um, it's one of my dad's favorite shows. He likes a lot of Mel Brooks stuff. Um, so I was introduced to, I was probably introduced to Blazing Saddles uh, sooner than, than I should have been. But I remember watching that and Young Frankenstein, a lot of movies with my dad. But yeah, and he, you know, kind of this. So I remember um, watching this show with him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, th I think this is one of those where the, the movie is almost a perfect, um ad adaptation um you know it doesn't try to exactly recreate but with steve carell um you know he's he's the you know he's the perfect big star you know co comedy star to play this role uh he fits in perfectly um as uh maxwell start uh smart sorry and uh <clears throat> and uh, Anne hathaway um is good um you know she's more of the straight person in this one um but she's also funny um and um and yeah it's just well cast and it's got a lot of the jokes um you know missed it by that much and mm -hmm. uh you know um yeah 
but yeah, like I said, at the same time, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like Maverick. It's uh, in the sense that it's, it's close to the show, but it's also, you know, you know, very different um, from the show. Uh, but yeah, any, anybody that's, you know, looking for a get smart movie, I think this, this lives up to that. And uh, you know, uh, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. I, it's, yeah, this is also on my backups. Um, I had it about number 14. Uh, it, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of, I think Steve Carell does a good job with his, um, he's not, he's not doing, an impression but he's got like the cadence and the yeah exactly and the and the the whole feel of don adams you know yeah exactly and he's he's been able to do that at least one other time too which is pretty fun but a different movie that may or may not come up <laughs> um but yeah i enjoyed this one i i like Alan Arkin. I think he oh, has yeah. some pretty good funny things. Yeah. F- funny lines. Um, it's interesting to see Dwayne Johnson turn heel. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And this is also, this is one of the early like Dwayne Johnson kind of comedic roles. Like this is before, mm-hmm. you know, now you kind of expect him to be funny and whatever. This is one of the first you know where he was he was more of a straight guy and so him being in this movie it was even funnier then because you you know you didn't necessarily expect that as much from him so um yeah but yeah i I love alan arkin too um he's he's always he's always been one of those that uh i find that you know he's he's funny in a lot in a lot of movies he's in but even in in his serious movies he's he's just a really good actor yeah Uh, so um but yeah he's one of those actors that like i did I, probably even before i knew his name he was just an, an actor that i started to recognize and just like i saw him in a movie i was just like yeah like that guy <laughs> but uh but yeah you're right he he does have a lot of good good scenes as the chief and <laughs> yeah the what the the it's not the cone of silence is it was it the cone of silence yeah, or the cone of silence? Yeah. Cone of silence. He, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't like that. Yeah. Yeah. And is he the one that gets the swordfish through the window? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I like this movie. I mean, I, this, this movie's probably higher on my list because of my affection to the, for the TV show um, as well. But um <clears throat> But uh, but yeah, but I also like I do think the movie is is a good representation of the TV show, and I do think it's a very funny, entertaining movie. I do think it, you know it's uh, it's one of the most faithful I think to um, the TV show, and still being its own thing. So. Good one. Thanks. Well, my number four is 
The one I would uh, was hoping you were going to steal because I haven't watched it. I hadn't had a chance to watch it and I wanted to just because um, Mission Impossible. 7.1 on IMDb came out in 1996. Tomato meter of 66% with an audience score of 71%. Directed by <coughs> Brian De Palma based on Del a television series written by Bruce Geller with this screenplay written by David Kep and Robert Town with story help from Steven Zellian. Uh, the film stars Tom Cruise, John Voigt, Emmanuel Bert, uh, Vin Rames, Vanessa Redgrave, Henri Zerny, uh, Jean Reno, and Kristen Scott Thomas. Nobody from the original television series like this film. Uh, based on the hit television series, Jim Phelps, played by John Voight, has sent, uh, was sent to Prague for a mission to prevent the theft of classified material. His wife, Claire, and his trusted partner, Ethan Hunt, were members of Phelps's team. Unfortunately, something went horribly wrong and the mission failed, leaving Ethan Hunt uh, the seemingly lone survivor. After he reported the failed mission, Kittredge, uh, the head of the agency, suspects Ethan of being the culprit of the failed mission. Now Ethan uses unorthodox methods, uh, which includes the aid of an arms dealer going by the name Max to try to find who set him up and clear his name. So this is the reason why in 2022 we are going to have Mission Impossible 7. Yeah. And for the time it was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Um I left out, I think I left out a name. Uh, Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez is part of the team. Yeah. Um, at the beginning of the movie, he's one of the ones who gets uh, killed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can see why the original members didn't like it, because like... <laughs> all their characters get killed off at the very beginning of the movie and it's like yeah because you know, the show was it was it was about the team and they, they kind of get back into that as the series you know the movies go on it gets more team oriented but yeah i mean this movie was really just tom cruise lone you know action you know and so it did kind of step a little bit away from from the show but yeah they they're you know one of their main beefs is it's you know this this film was an action film and Mission Impossible was not an action television series. Yeah, you know, and they like, turned Jim Phelps into a bad guy, so I'm sure they didn't appreciate. Yeah, that. he didn't he didn't like that. <laughs> 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 Which I did because I'm not really that much of a John Boyd fan anyway. Yeah. So, 
I mean, he's uh, he's all right, but I, I he's a good actor, and he well, I would say he ha- he probably is phenomenal because I don't like him in most of the movies where you're not supposed to like him. Yeah, yeah, he does play a bad guy a lot, and he does do it very yeah. well, mm-hmm. but. But there's like there's a lot of iconic scenes in this one that have been um, redone or f- faked or joked from and stuff like that. So it's yeah. Well, and you say it's an action movie. I, I don't think it's as much. I mean, it's definitely more action oriented than the than the series. Yeah. Uh, but this one's more of a thriller. It's more um you know there's a lot mm-hmm. of suspense and like you know like the, the when you were saying the memorable scenes, the one I think of is, you know, them dropping down into the thing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the, the Mission Possible movie series has become more and more action oriented with, with still some, you know, a lot of that suspense stuff. But this one was definitely more, uh, had a lot more quiet moments, a lot more like, you know, build up and. Yeah, I originally had this number three on my list, um, but then after doing the Tom Cruise show and we talked so much about Mission Impossible, I just decided to take Mission Impossible completely uh, out of the equation on this one and just talk about some other movies. But uh, so I would have stolen it from you. Yes, you would have. You, you yes, I still wouldn't have mentioned it before you got to it. But oh, yeah, man. Because yeah, I mean this. Yeah, it's it's it is one of I think one of the best um, movies based on a on a on a television show um mm-hmm. yeah and I, I forget i forget what i was watching the other day but this kind of reminds me of that where you know at at this point in time you're they were really starting to rev up like your starting credits and make them look cool. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you jump right into the movie. Yeah. Pretty much. But this was one of the, one of the really cool ones. Oh, Spider-Man, the original Spider-Man. Oh yeah. It had the cool web and stuff. Yes. Going on. Yeah. This one was, you know, what, six years before that. So it it's got the the you know the the wick or whatever that's on fire and going yeah through. yeah the fuse the fuse yeah 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 that's it's a good one like I said I'm um, I haven't I haven't rewatched it recently um, but just because I've seen it so many times, like I can pretty much play the whole movie uh, in my head. Um, you know, it's got that cool scene at the end with the helicopter in the tunnel and mm-hmm. that explosion. And um, Wasn't there like a big, um, like a uh, aquarium that bust? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, he throws the gum that explodes like up oh, against yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, up against glass and it shatters, yeah. But uh yeah, it's inter- it's interesting. I, I almost want to go watch go rewatch it 
Um, because I, I bet I bet it'll come off very quaint, or you know, if that's the right word for compared to like the movies now. You know, now that we've seen yeah. Fall Out and you know Rogue Nation, kind of really amped up the action and the you know the suspense and stuff. Like almost to go back and watch this now, it would seem like you know it's it's kind of like the us. you know the the original X Men compared to watching Days of Future Past. Yeah, yeah, you know, where they're that. Anything from this time period, anything from uh, mid to late nineties, you know, through the early two thousands, was a little bit more story oriented, mm-hmm. and the action was there, but it wasn't the main thing until yeah. maybe um, the Transformers dude came into it and yeah, Michael Bay <laughs> start yeah. start blowing everything up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. But <clears throat> yeah, it's still a good one, though. I still, yeah, <laughs> I still think it holds up. Like I said, I'd, I'd be interested to go back and rewatch it and just to see how, after seeing you know what we've seen now with the Mission Impossible series, how you know how it looks and feels. But they, yeah, they need to bring back more rats, more rats in air ducts. Yeah keeping people from holding ropes i mean that that kind of stuff doesn't happen enough anymore yeah maybe rats coming out of the helicopter while he's trying to fly yeah. it into space or something i don't know yeah yeah well maybe that's why we we don't have rats because we don't have air ducts anymore they're yeah. in helicopters now and they're you know they've, they've amped it up so much that like they've gone to places where there are no rats but uh but yeah i still i still have strong affection for this movie though i you know it's one of those series that keeps getting better but they're they're all really good i mean we've Mm -hmm. talked about that like they all have their own style and their own you know greatness in their own way all right Moving on to my number four, uh, which is 21 Jump Street in 2012 uh, with an IMDb rating of 7.2 with an 85% tomato meter, an 82% audience score uh, based on a TV series created by Patrick Hasberg and Stephen J. Connell, uh, which ran from 1987 to 1991. Uh, It was directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller uh, with the screenplay by Michael Bacall, story by Bacall and Jonah Hill, uh, stars Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, Ice Cube, Dave Franco, Brie Larson, Rob Riggle, DeRay Davis, Chris Parnell, Ellie Kemper, Jake Johnson, and Nick Offerman. Uh, in 2005, Schmidt and Janko are high school students, one an honor roll geek, the other a cool athletic underachiever. By 2012, they are rookie cops paired together on bike patrol, yearning to make arrests. After a screw up, they're sent undercover back to high school to find the source of a dangerous synthetic drug. They mix up their names and Schmidt gets the no brainer classes where he auditions for Peter Pan and falls in love with Wendy. Janko gets AP classes where he falls in with high achieving dweebs. The second chance at high school gives Schmidt delusions of grandeur, which threaten the operation. Can they sort out the relationship as they stumble onto the bad guys? So yeah, I'm starting to see a pattern with my choices. Mine uh, tend to <laughs> be kind of the goofs on, on TV series. 
um, as, as opposed to straightforwards. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, I just, I think, but I do think this does a good job. There's so many in jokes in this movie. Um, and, uh, just so many great jokes, period, just about, about, uh, adults playing high school kids. And, um, you know, it's, that's cause that's, you know, such a big thing where, you know, almost every high school movie, like the person playing them is like 25 playing a 16 year old, like, um, you know, there's, there's jokes at that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and this has one of my favorite cameos from, um, people that were in the TV series that show up, um, in this, cause they're actually playing their characters and it is a surprise when you see them. Um, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a great, uh, shock in the movie, uh, both just for a plot in the movie, but also once you realize who it is, you know, like it's even more so. And um, so I like it for that reason. And the, the pairing of Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill has got to be one of my favorites. Because um, I got to say, before this, I wasn't a huge Channing Tatum fan. Um, I mean, he was okay, but I mean, I'm, I'm just a step up, just wasn't a movie that really, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I really appreciate it. I just did whatever. So I, 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 forgot, I, he, I forgot he was in that. Yeah, well, I, I was I was dating a girl at the time who loved Channing Tatum and loved that movie. And so I will never forget, unfortunately. But uh, so I was I just I just didn't get it. I wasn't a fan of Channing Tatum. I didn't didn't hate him. I just wasn't, you know, I just, bleh, you know, whatever, Channing Tatum. But I did, you know, I love Jonah Hill, was a huge fan of Superbad and um, fan of those movies. So anyways, um, but yeah, so the pairing of the two in this movie completely caught me off guard. I, you know, um, did not know Channing Tatum could be funny um, and he's hilarious. Um, and I sense I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Channing Tatum since this movie. Um, I will now go see any Channing Tatum movie. Um, and I even liked Magic Mike. So go figure. But um, <laughs> But uh, but anyways, but yeah, so I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's funny. Ice, Ice Cube is great as the, the the you know the boss. There's a lot of you know good jokes about that the character that you know. There's always that character in the movies that whatever, and so they have a lot of fun with that. And casting as cute Ice Cube in that role is just brilliant. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just thinking of the Ice Cube character just makes me laugh. I mean, it's just. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I like this movie quite a bit. I think it has fun with, like I said, with the premise, um, which is kind of ridiculous in the first place um, and just kind of runs with it. And, it, you know, there's a lot of just knowing humor of the time of like high school, how different high school was like when we went mm -hmm. to now and how, you know, you know, when he's like picking on the nerds, the nerds are now, you know, like the smart are now like the popular kids like. And so it's like, yeah. So yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of funny scenes, a lot of a lot of I don't know. It's just a good movie. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah, do I have this? No, I think I left it off on purpose. Not that I didn't didn't like it. I just didn't put it on. Yeah. But I I used to follow Dax Flame on YouTube, and I'm still not sure whether he's been playing a character this whole time for the past 20 years <laughs> or if he really is that way i don't know yeah but he's in this film and he he's the one that gives channing tatum the most grief about looking old 
<laughs> looking too old for, yeah. for being yeah. a high schooler. Yeah. Um, Brie Larson doesn't. I love Brie Larson. Yeah, I do too. And I, for me, she's almost unrecognizable in this. I don't know if she's just younger. Yeah. Than what I'm used to, but. Uh, yeah, honestly, I forgot she was in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that that was her in the movie. Um, so yeah, I, I know what you mean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a bunch of there's a bunch of silly things, and there's also you know great action. Yeah, I mean, Rob Riggle gets shot in the dick, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is great. And then I think the only the only reason Johnny Depp agreed to come back as if he got killed i think yeah I, I think you're right which his partner was the same actor too right yes yeah yeah which is pretty crazy yeah yeah the only one that didn't return um i think there was two i don't remember the other actor's name because richard grieco um was also on um, twenty one. Because I think he had two partner. I think he had two different partners. The one that's in this one was his original partner, and then I think I don't know. I'm not familiar with the show or whatever. But anyways, but Richard Grieco ended up making a cameo in Twenty Two Jump Street, and the other guy that wasn't in this one. Um, but uh, but yeah, but that's that's another thing. Um, something you mentioned made me think of this. But uh, the movie does does like take itself seriously. Um as far as the plot i mean it, it you know like it's it's very funny and and goofy you know and goose on itself but it does you know tell a pretty good you know story and does get you involved in you know in the case and whatever and you know so i like it for that too i mean it is an enjoyable action movie as well um So, and, that, and that's kind of fitting with like, you know, the other ones that, you know, we've talked about, like, you know, Dragnet and Maverick and, you know, like while they are kind of goofs on it, they, they do take the, you know, they're not really, they're not making fun of their source material. They're just having fun with the source material. And so I think that that's what I like about them and <clears throat> makes them so, so good. <clears throat> so yeah i have it so far on my list just because i think it does a good job of you know of, of adapting it the show mm-hmm. it um because i mean the show came out i mean in you know like the 80s you know and so there's just a lot you know so it's it does a good job of updating it while still you know um kind of remaining true to the show but also you know obviously again um, kind of like, you know, Land of the Lost and stuff like it, its premise is kind of adds to, you know, humor. You know, like I said, it's kind of a ridiculous, you know, you've got these adult cops, you know, you know, they're young, but they're going undercover. And so they have fun with that, you know, whole premise. And... Uh, yeah. And I think it pokes the right amount of fun in the right way at itself. Yeah. 
you know, talking about, you know, the address of the place. Yeah. You know, we're bringing back this undercover thing because we can't think of any new ideas. Da, yeah. Da, da, yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's, yeah. It, it almost makes fun of the, and, and yeah, it almost makes fun of the, just the idea of remaking a tele television show. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, we've, we have no new ideas. So we're going <laughs> to, we're just going to revive an old one. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I like it. I like Twenty Two Drum Street too. Yeah, I did. I did too. That one. I mean, where Schmidt bangs the captain's <laughs> daughter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah, and that scene where Ice Cube. I think they're at a, they're at a wedding reception. They're, they're at a, where I don't know. I don't remember where they are. But yeah, that whole scene uh, <laughs> with Ice Cube is hilarious. Um. <laughs> Well, that and uh, my name is Jeff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just want to go watch these movies now. <clears throat> I forgot about that. My name is Jeff. <laughs> Uh, where'd you get this guy from a Mumford and Sons concert? <laughs> Good stuff. All right. My number three. Um, may also be kind of a cheat but whatever uh el camino a breaking bad movie uh 7.3 on imdb came out in 2019 a tomato meter of 91 percent with an audience score of 81 percent directed and written by vince gilligan who is the creator of breaking bad uh, the film stars aaron paul Jesse Plemons, Charles Baker, Matt Jones, and Todd Terry. Uh, there are also flashbacks of Jonathan Banks, Brian Cranston, and Kristen Ritter. Uh, finally free from torture and slavery at the hands of Todd's Uncle Jack and for Mr. White, Jesse must escape demons from his past. He's on the run from a police manhunt with his only hope of escape being Saul Goodman's Hoover guy, Ed Galbraith. A man who, from the right price, can give you a new identity and a fresh start. Jesse is racing against the clock with help from his crew, avoiding capture to get enough money together to buy a new dust filter for his Hoover. Max Extract Pressure Pro model, a new life. So this is a continuation of Breaking Bad after the finale where we see Jesse move on. Mm -hmm. And 
case, it, it's a very different movie. There's, there's there's a lot of people that, I mean, the scores, I think, are pretty on. Yeah. It's a good movie. I think the scores show that. Um, there, I do know yeah. people didn't like it because of the pacing. Um, they didn't like it. They're like, well, this isn't Jesse. And I'm like, well, did you, do you remember what he went through? <laughs> when he just yeah. got out of Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, seeing him, like, throughout the whole show, Jesse is... He's doing whatever he can to not be a bad guy. You know, he's yeah, he's doing stuff for himself, but he doesn't want to hurt people or kill people. He wants to make money. He wants fat stacks. He doesn't want yeah to hurt anybody. Yeah, and this one kind of shows him being willing to go that far because he he knows he needs to in order to get what he needs so yeah yeah what do you think oh yeah it's I, it's a great movie um i love this movie. i'm not sure how well um it plays to somebody who's never seen breaking bad um but as anybody who you know likes breaking bad i think it's a great kind of epilogue to the series um, and I thought, yeah, I thought it was perfectly done um, as far as the next chapter of, you know, of Jesse Pinkman um, and seeing, yeah, like you said, all the, all the stuff that he went through. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously he's not the same fun-loving character that, you know, he was at the beginning of the series. Even, even by the end of the series, he was, you know, um, not the same character, really. Um, <clears throat> And it is funny, like I've never, I don't know that I've ever thought of it. Maybe I have, but it, you, you just made me think of it is that like, it's funny that like Walter White was the like prim and proper high school teacher and Jesse was the criminal, whatever. But as the series went on, you saw like the, the flip-flop and um, obviously that was probably kind of the point, but like, yeah, you, Jesse was always trying to avoid, you know, like hurting people and, and he was he was the one that constantly got people hurt or you know like inadvertently because of you know but you know mr white did but but yeah he ended up being the really monster and then jesse was just kind of a victim and just kind of whatever so but uh yeah and this this movie kind of gives him his last little hurrah which i you know which i appreciate and I don't know. I like the pacing. I, you know, like, yeah, Break, Breaking Bad was a TV show. And so, you know, each episode you had to kind of build up and, you know, you had, you know, this fast paced, crazy stuff going on. Um, but that story's over and done with. So, you know, mm -hmm. like, I like that, you know, it's a little more of a character study, a little more of a, you know, takes its time building its, you know, story and getting where it's going to go. And, Yeah, and they probably added a Breaking Bad story on purpose to let people know. Yeah, this is connected. It may be beneficial for you to put them together. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, but I literally don't know. Like, I wonder if, like, if you walked in completely fresh to this movie, it might still 
you know, work. Because really, I mean, really all you have to know is that he escaped from something horrible. I mean, obviously there's more to it if you've seen it, you know, obviously whatever. But I mean, I, I just, you know, I really do wonder how it would play um, if, if somebody could come in cold and still enjoy it. It'll probably be helpful because of how fat Todd is. Because he's, he's filming, he was filming a different movie at the time where he had to gain weight. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I like it quite a bit, but yeah. But obviously, I also love Breaking Bad, so. <clears throat> but, uh, but yeah, I think this, I think this is really successful at, uh, at uh adapt you know like continuing the series but also being its own its own thing too so i you know i don't think it's so much of a cheat i think it it belongs on the list it's it is a good movie based on a tv series and it does do something a little different it's not just an episode of the tv series you know um so yeah it's a good one all right well going to return to saturday night live uh, for my number three uh which is wayne's world uh which came out in 1992 uh, with an imdb rating of 7.0 uh 78 tomato meter 84 percent audience score uh based on sketches created by mike myers on saturday night live uh directed by penelope shearis screenplay by mike myers bonnie turner and terry turner Stars Mike Myers, Dana Carvey, Rob Lowe, Tia Carrera, Brian Doyle Murray, Lara Flynn Boyle, Kurt Fuller, Colin Camp, Chris Farley, Meatloaf, and as himself, Alice Cooper again. And uh, Wayne is still living at home. He has a world-class collection of name tags from jobs he's tried, but, but he does have his own public access TV show. A local station decides to hire him and his sidekick Garth to do their show professionally, and Wayne and Garth find that it is no longer the same. Wayne falls for a bass guitarist and uses his and Garth's video contacts to help her career along, knowing that Ben Oliver, the sleazy advertising guy who is ruining their show, will probably take her away from him if they fail. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, so... Uh, yeah, basically, it takes the very basic premise uh, from Saturday Night Live of, you know, two guys doing a TV show from their basement um, and, you know, takes that to uh, the obvious next level of having them become, you know, uh, semi-famous and branch out and um, and obviously, you know, in doing that, they lose some of their creative freedom, and uh, but yeah, I, I didn't realize this was actually the the first movie to be based off of a a Saturday Night Live skit. Um, there, I mean, there was Blues Brothers, but that was those were characters that were on Saturday Night Live, but they weren't like sketches. Um, and mm -hmm. yeah, this was actually this was this actually started the whole basing movies on. Um, Saturday Night Live uh, sketches, which I mean, makes it now that I think about it, it is yeah, I can't really think of anything before this, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't really realize that. Um, 
but yeah um and there's a lot of uh iconic scenes and and jokes um you know of course there's the you know bohemian rhapsody um you know um scene of them you know playing that song and headbanging to it um but which i guess the studio wanted to use guns and roses um instead because they were a more you know recent popular um band and mike myers like refused to use anything except for bohemian rhapsody um he actually threatened to quit um if they wouldn't let him do um that it actually the that 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 song um actually it became even more popular than ever after this movie it had never uh reached number one um and it did after um after the movie um or no, number two came number two um where the highest it was before that was number nine so and uh unfortunately freddie mercury um passed away before this movie um came out so he wasn't able to um you know enjoy that 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 glory but he did see he was able to see the scene um mike myers sent him a tape um of you know that sequence and he loved it and you know so i thought that was cool um but uh yeah according to penelope shearis mike myers was very difficult to work with um he arrived on set one day to discover that the snack table only had butter and not margarine for his bagel Myers report, reportedly became enraged, flipped the table over, stormed off the set, and did not come out of his trailer for hours. Um, and yeah, I guess, yeah, he, he was bitching about the Bohemian Rhapsody scene and not being able to move his neck. Um, um, but also, uh, there might be reason for that, because um, Mike Myers said filming was a blur uh, because his father's health was dwindling at the same time. Uh, he remembers finishing the film, then uh, he says, I remember finishing the film, then I remember my dad dying, he said in an interview in 2013. So, um, although there have been other reports on other movies where, you know, Mike Myers is supposedly, a, you know, not, not the easiest to, to work with, but I mean, I guess I, I, I kind of understand that, though. I mean, I obviously I don't know. Uh, he might be a complete asshole, but um, but a lot of the stuff that he works with are his create, you know, his creations. Uh, you know, he really doesn't just star in. I mean, he, he does bit cameos, but you know, like Austin Powers and stuff, they are his. You know, that's his creation. So I mean, I can kind of understand being, you know, especially if somebody's trying to tell you how you should do your, you know, your thing. Um, you know, and it's like, but but I made this like this. You know, like you're gonna tell me that you know. You, you what austin powers can do better than me who is austin powers and who created this or you know or you know mike or whatever his name is in this you know whatever so i mean i, I guess i can kind of understand where he's coming from um from that aspect well, he he blocked her from doing the sequel right? yes yeah yeah <laughs> which you know kind of a dick move but you know i don't know <laughs> Sequel's pretty good too. This is another one that I, I think the sequel is almost almost as good as the first. It's you know it's pretty much you know got a lot of good jokes and I think they get a little more tongue in cheek with like product placement and that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. Is is the pizza or is that no, that's, in this one? That's this one. That's in this one. Pizza Hut yeah. thing. Like, like, yeah, where they start holding up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Most of the, yeah, most of the best gags are in are in this one. Um, Throwback no, to um, <clears throat> uh, oh, the old movie. Oh, that one. Uh, Dustin Hoffman Tootsie? I don't, I don't know like No, um, the one where the old lady's trying to seduce him Oh, oh yeah, 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 okay, yeah um, The Graduate the, end, the Graduate, yeah, the end of that film There's kind oh, of a yeah, throwback yeah. to that with that's him the, banging. That's the second one That's that's in the second one, but yeah oh, that's the second one Yeah <laughs> Okay Yeah, they're, 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 are, they're easily interchangeable Because yeah, when I um when i think of them i yeah i, I kind of crossed the two um as well uh, the only reason i remember is because i actually watched i rewatched the second one i didn't rewatch this one but i rewatched the second one when we were doing our part twos um obviously didn't end up making my list but um, it was on my backups but yeah but um but yeah so i so that's why that's the only reason i remember and can differentiate but when i was watching part two i was like oh i thought that was in the first one like but <laughs> But yeah, but they're 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 both good and uh, but yeah, I, I can remember going and seeing this in the theater and uh, not really knowing what it was because like, I didn't really watch a lot of you know I was what I was probably eleven at the time so I mean I wasn't able to watch Saturday Night Live I think I saw some again my dad my dad introduced me to a lot of comedy and um, so like if I was able to watch R-rated movies or watch something like it was usually my dad and it was usually comedy oriented um but so i was i was somewhat familiar um but uh but but not not enough to really know what i was getting into and i just remember laughing my head off you know like at this movie and thinking it was great and of course subsequently uh, you know over the years i've gotten more of the jokes because at the time there was there was a lot that went over my head but <clears throat> But yeah, we've talked about Mike Myers before. I think he's a very funny guy. Um, and he's, you know, he's definitely one of those who's, you know, he's willing to do anything for a laugh. And, you know, some jokes are, some jokes, you know, highbrow, lowbrow, middle, you know, he's just, he's mm -hmm. all over the place. And he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, some hit, some don't, but. <clears throat> but yeah, I there's did. a lot of great jokes in this movie, like the gun rack, like. That whole thing where like his ex-girlfriend gives oh. him a gun rack and he's like, I don't have a gun, let alone <laughs> many guns. <laughs> I yeah, I just put I just now put together. I I recently watched the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, mm -hmm. which he plays a music executive in. Yeah, and he even has a line. Oh, I just now put that together. Yeah, he has a line in there where he's like, kids aren't going to, we need something that the kids are going to bang their heads to. Like, this isn't, you know, mm -hmm. this is, I don't remember what he calls it. He's like, this is operatic garbage or, or some, something. I, I can't remember what he says, but yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny in-joke that, yeah, they've got him playing the character that <clears throat> says that. And then he's the one who actually, like, <clears throat> 
got kids banging their head to it back in the day. <clears throat> He's in the next David O. Russell movie. Whatever that's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Untitled David O. Russell. Plot details kept under wraps. It's in post-production. What in the world? <laughs> Guess we'll find out. The Pantaverate Canadian thing. Okay. That makes sense. Austin Powers 4 is announced. That would be nice, although it's little... it's only rumored that he's in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really don't think they I really I mean they've you know movie they could use Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. I I could totally see them doing that too, but <clears throat> But yeah, I think I really don't think you can do an Austin Powers movie without uh, Mike Myers. But yeah, I... it's been ten years since or twenty years since the last last one. So has it really? Yeah, two thousand two oh, was the last. It's gold member. Yeah, it's crazy. I know because like I said ten years, and then I had to look and I like, whoa, shit, no, twenty. God, because I, I I honestly like when I first think of 2002, I think 10 years ago, and then I've got to uh, wait. No, no, that was 20 years ago. I'm, I'm 40 now. It's <laughs> what is happening? Where's the time going? Anyways, was this anywhere on your on your list or? Uh, no, I left it off on purpose. Okay. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. I do. I like, you know, Chris Farley playing a dumb. Yeah. Bouncer or whatever. Bouncer, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and of course Alice Cooper. I love his cameo, and it's fun. And <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's it's almost a too obvious choice. I I I honestly like thought about like whether I wanted to put it on my list just because it's like you know almost too obvious, but <clears throat> I'm like eh. It's also one of my favorite movies based on the tv when i when i was looking at everything i was like I, I i just like this movie too much not to put it on my list so yeah so yeah it works that you know that you didn't and i did and you know mm -hmm. you've got cone heads cone heads which you know i wouldn't have put on my list but i think is also an unfairly you know yeah. it's not as good as wayne's world but it's still you know it's still a decent uh saturday live adaptation that I think Wayne's World is. Doesn't it say it's still the only SNL movie to make a hundred million dollars? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's by far the most successful. 
and I think the only one to get a sequel. Well, again, if you count Blues Brothers, I guess, but even if you count Blues Brothers, I don't know how many people want to count Blues Brothers 2000 as a sequel to that movie. So, no. I think that's better forgotten anyway. So, Jim Belushi, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, it's just not the not the same. Anyway, moving on. Let's All see. right, uh, my number two. You've you've had it on one of your lists, I think. I think you had it on your remake list, but I had made this one already, so I'm keeping it. Um, number two is Star Trek. Oh, yeah. 7.9 on IMDb. Came out in 2009. A tomato meter, uh, 94%. Audience score of 91%, directed by J.J. Abrams, based on television series by Gene Roddenberry, with screenplay uh, written by Roberto Orki and Alex Kurtzman. The film stars Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Leonard Nimoy, Eric Bana, Bruce Greenwood, Carl Urban, Zoe Saldana, John Cho, Anton Yelkin. Winota Ryder, uh, Chris Hemsworth, and Jennifer Morrison. Uh, the film won an Academy Award for Best Makeup. The brash James T. Kirk tries to live up to his father's legacy with Mr. Spock keeping him in check as a vengeful Romulan from the future creates black holes to destroy the Federation one planet at a time. Yeah, so this, we've talked about it before, so I don't think we need to get too much into it, but I think there's a good balance of some, some characters inhabit the essence, or some actors inhabit the essence of the character, and some are the character, you know, Bones. Yeah. Bones is or Carl Urban is Bones, mm-hmm. right? Zachary Quinto is Spock. Yeah. Um, Chris Pine isn't anything like William Shatner, but he's still I still feel him as a great James Kirk. Yeah, I agree. In the same with you know John Cho, Anton Yelkin, Zoe Saldana, yeah. um. Chris Hemsworth and Jennifer Morrison play James Kirk's parents in a, I don't know if you call it a flashback, but at the beginning of the film, um, Kirk's dad sacrifices himself to save everybody else on the ship. Yeah. And at one point in time, Chris Hemsworth was set to come back to reprise that role in the fourth movie, but I'm not. I mean, the fourth movie is so under wraps that they that may be done yeah. away with. So there's no telling what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, I like this. I like this one better for this list because it's. 
it's it's based on the TV show rather than a continuation of the TV show. Yeah. Which I have both on my list, but if I'm choosing between this and Star Trek the motion picture, I was just gonna say, yeah. I'm picking this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think even diehard uh Star Trek or you know, Trekkers or whatever would uh would agree with you as far as you know this being a better better movie than the motion picture um but yeah it it's weird though because while it's accurate it is based on a television series it's also based on you know the movies and um you know like you said it was on my you know list of remakes um yeah i don't know it's just, it's just weird you know it, it is it works on many levels and you know i don't automatically think of this as being based on the tv series but you know you're absolutely right it obviously is and um and what you're saying about the characters uh i agree uh with everything you said um although I th yeah I, I think chris pine because none of them are really doing per uh what's the word impersonations impersonations yeah impersonations per se um I mean, obviously, Spock more so, you know, because he has to look like Spock. So there's a little more of that. Um, but they they almost all of them, like, uh, they are, but they aren't, you know, because even, even Bones, you know, like even um, Carl Urban isn't really, you know, doing so much of an impersonation as just kind of embodying the characteristics of that character. So... Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of it's a weird thing of like they are that character but at the same time if you watch like the old star trek and that like they're two different characters but they're yeah. not you know what i'm saying like it's not so you're not getting somebody oh. who's, who's doing a, a performance of another actor you're doing another interpretation of the character right. but you immediately recognize that that's that character you know what i'm saying so it's like and i feel like chris pine does just a good of a job at that like mm -hmm. while he's not doing because i think if he had done a trying to do an impersonation of William Shatner, obviously, obviously that has become such a comedic gimmick that it would have obviously been whatever, but I don't even think you needed to do that. You got, you still got that sense of like William Shatner playing that role was always kind of this, you know, cocky, but, you know, uh, unsure sometimes. And so, you know, he plays that very well so that you get that same sense from him that I think you have is to, right on. Yeah, you have, I mean, if, if you're thinking of you know the first star trek movies compared to this star trek movie you're talking about middle-aged people compared to hollywood hunks and beautiful models right yeah but if you if you look at the tv show from the early to mid 60s mm -hmm. they're very good looking people yeah. At that point in time. Yeah. That's yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And if you if you put a side by side of Pine and Curtin and Shatner at both at 35 years old, there's probably not that much difference. Yeah, I, I bet you're right. Yeah. 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 In fact, I mean I've re I've watched some of the early episodes somewhat recently and uh and yeah you're right i mean it is um yeah it's, it's probably pretty spot on um 
because I'm yeah I'm, I'm picturing William Shatner back then and yeah it's it's pretty yeah so it's it's, it's yeah it's it's a perfect casting mm-hmm. and yeah it's really good movie yeah I mean I talked about it last time and you know I'll I'll do my best not to have any Star Treks for a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> enough i'll i'll try to do the same but uh but yeah i i talked about it so effectively last time i think it ha- i had it at number nine and like on my list of remakes and as i was talking about it i was like kind of disappointed i had it so low on my list but but yeah i'm a huge fan of the movie and i'm i can't wait for the fourth fourth film And and other than motion and other than Star Trek the Motion Picture, I have I have a strong affection for all of the the older movies too. Like, yeah, I can always remember the the whales for some reason. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite Star Trek movie. But I like them all. I even like Part Five, which I mean it's my least favorite. But there's some stuff there's some stuff on on Star Trek Five that I I really like. I think it had a really good story. Um, but uh but yeah so yeah i want i want to one of these days go back and just kind of watch like have kind of a marathon and watch all the old star trek movies and maybe that sometime soon maybe when we do our list of uh best film series or whatever we should put Mm -hmm. star trek on there and that'll give me an excuse to go back and watch them all and Although we've talked about this movie enough, I think we I think we should exclude <laughs> new movies because we talked about Into Darkness as well. So I think we should just like yeah exclude these ones and just include you know in the series like just include you know uh, <laughs> other ones that way because obviously if we're you know we, we would probably mention this one and one of us would, would one of these ones, but <clears throat> I think we should stick to like just pick our best our you favorite. Have to... Yeah, you have to put the one with Tom Hardy on your backups. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even know if it would make my backups, but <laughs> anyways. All right. Well, moving on to my number two. Um, it, this kind of ties in with your number three in the in the sense that it's kind of a similar situation. Uh mine is the X-Files, uh Fight the Future uh from 1998. Um, with an IMDb rating of 7.0, uh, 67% tomato meter, and a 72% audience score. Uh, based on the series The X-Files, created by Chris Carter, which ran from 1993 to 2002, and then revived in 2016 and 2018. Uh, it was directed by Rob Bowman, uh, screenplay by Chris Carter, story by Carter and Frank Spotnitz, uh, stars David Duchovny, Jillian Anderson, Martin Landau, John Veville, William B. Davis, Mitch Pelleggi, Blythe Danner, Terry O'Quinn, Jeffrey DeMunn, and Lucas Black. Let's see here. With problems appearing between FBI agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully, a dangerous conspiracy is starting to appear. A deadly virus, which appears to be of extraterrestrial origin, has appeared, which could destroy all life on Earth. With the help of a paranoid doctor, Alvin Kurtzwill, 
Mulder and Scully must act fast in order to save everyone on the planet. So um, this basically is a overlong or, you know, a, a trumped up episode of the TV series. Uh, it aired or it uh, came out between uh, seasons five and six and kind of actually bridged the two seasons. Um, at the end of season five, X-Files was actually shut down and that's kind of discussed in the movie. And then by the end of the movie, X-Files is reopened. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, this very much is just, it is the TV show just with a bigger budget and, uh, you know, on the big screen. Um, again, this is probably on my list because I love the TV show so much. Like I grew up watching it. Um, I love the show. I went and saw this movie in the theater um, and have recent, I've since like gone back and I've watched the whole series and, you know, put this into context. Um, but I think, I think the movie does a good job of appealing to people who haven't, because at the time, like I'd seen the show, but I, you know, I not religiously enough that I knew everything that was going on. Um you know, just so I just saw episodes here and there, um, but I was still able to follow the movie and still, you know, I think it still does a good job of standing on its own as a story. Um, but then, of course, at, since watching it, watching the series and seeing how this plays in, it also does a really good job of, you know, kind of bridging the gap between the two seasons and being a part of that. Of that story. Um <clears throat> Because X-Files really has two type of episodes. They have like one that's like kind of the monster of the week, like where it's just like self-contained Fox and Mulder are going after, uh, or Fox and Mulder, um, Fox and Scully, uh, Mulder and Scully are going after a certain thing and it all wraps up in this in that episode. And then there's other episodes which are about this over, you know, lying conspiracy and the aliens and everything that's going on and uh, the movie deals more with that conspiracy and um, and that kind of thing, um, which I like. Uh, I mean, the series didn't do a very good job of wrapping it, that part of the story up, I don't think. But um, I really enjoyed it in this movie. And that's why I like this movie better than the other movie, which I also think is really good. It could have made my list as well. I just I like this one better because I think it, it deals more with the characters and you know, of, of Mulder and Scully, whereas the second one was more of that monster of the week. It told its little self-contained story about, um, I don't even know, psychic connection between a priest and the murder victim. And is some that, weird is that the, thing. I want to believe? Yeah, I want to believe. Yeah. Which it, it is a really good movie. Uh, it's a, it's a really good, you know, X-Files story, but like I said, I just prefer this one because I prefer that I, I like the overall story that you know that, that, that the show at least attempted to tell even if it didn't wrap it up very well but um, but yeah I don't know it's a really good thriller and uh, yeah I don't know what are your thoughts I I don't know if if I've seen this I I was also a fan of the show but I also wasn't like a a super fan. You know, yeah. I didn't sit down every week to watch it. It just, if it was on, I enjoyed it. 
And I don't know if, I don't think it was one of the main ones that either of my parents liked. So, yeah. If it's not yes, that, I was. you don't have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of my problem, too, is because I was a fan and I did try to watch it. Um, but I believe, I don't, I think it was on Sunday nights at one point. I don't remember when it aired, but whatever, for whatever reason, like I wasn't always able to catch it. Either my parents wanted to watch something else or, I wasn't able to stay up late enough for whatever reason. I wasn't always able to catch it, but when I did, I, I always, you know, I tried to as much as possible. I really mm-hmm. did. You know, it's one of the few shows as a kid that one of the like few like hour long shows that like I got into. Cause I, you know, generally was more into like sitcoms or, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that, but, um, but yeah. So. Well, and I, I always liked, um, Uh, uh, unsolved mysteries, and that yeah. I did watch that relatively, yeah. um, weekly. Yeah, same. We yeah we watched that as a family pretty much. And this this one is, I mean, this show's kind of along that same lines, except it's fictional. Yeah. So my my dad had various um uh likes when it comes to tv and movies so he he might get on a kick of watching x-files every week and then something else would happen and he'd go on to that instead so there's a lot of three stooges and that kind of you know that kind of stuff going on too yeah yeah no i can relate my dad was the same way um but yeah it's it's also one of those shows too that like once you because i remember being young and trying to watch it i'd watch some episodes um and then once i got to the you know um age where i you know because the show was airing until 2002 but by then like you know like when i had control of the tv i was so behind the show you know, that like, I kind of gave up trying to watch it, um, you know, because that was before DVD started coming out and you could catch up, you know, <clears throat> on your own. So, um, but yeah, I've, I've always been fascinated with the show and um, I like the characters, I, you know, um, like any great show, um, you know, it starts with the characters and I really love like Scully and Mulder and their relationship and um you know it's it's interesting that they got to i mean they towards the end of the initial run they just didn't like each other and then or may it 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 may have been not not that strong but then you know then they like came back to each other in the revival in the movies and stuff Mm -hmm. so you know it's just another one i haven't watched the revivals um yet i just i just finished finally watching the. it took me a couple years actually to finally get through the whole series um this i mean this list seems like it's lending itself to nearly all of my childhood crushes you know one being jillian anderson so oh yeah yeah that definitely doesn't hurt yeah because oh my god i was so in love with her Mm -hmm. 
and still am like and and yeah she's she's so great but and david the company is one of those guys too that like i have kind of a man crush on like he's just like so charming and so like I just enjoy watching him and like he's, you know, and his character here is really good. And like I've watched some of his other shows and he's, he's a good actor, but like this is, I think is the, the best he's ever done. I just think he's, he found the perfect character for his persona in this, in this character of Mulder and just anything he does, I, I to like... me, it gets compared to that. It's just, it's not quite the same, but. I I really liked the the ad lib in the Zoolander where he explains everything. You know, Zoolander says why male models, and he explains the whole thing, and then he repeats himself, "Why male models?" <laughs> and he's like, "Are you serious? I just explained the whole thing to you like five seconds ago." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he was wasn't he also in the in like a spoof type movie? Evolution. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that was funny too. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I like Evolution too. That was a funny movie. That's another one that I think is underrated. Oh, Glenn Headley was a huge fan of the show and readily accepted the tiny role of a bartender just to be involved. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have to watch this just to see her. Yeah. Well, she does have just a very tiny role, but. I got, I got a pause button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she does have a fun, like a fun little back and forth with Mulder in the bar so but i do there's a funny little thing here that i um doesn't really pertain to much but i thought it was kind of funny um after consuming much alcohol and finding the bar's bathroom locked Mulder relieves himself on a movie poster for independence day <laughs> um, and uh i guess chris carter like hated the movie independence day and so he like purposely had Mulder piss all over the movie's pulsar to, to express his disdain for the movie <sighs> so i'm like okay <sighs> i personally love independence day but i i i do respect the the fact that hey i, I get to make a movie and like i'm gonna put it in that like <sighs> you know <clears throat> which i can kind of see that i guess because you know as far as like aliens and stuff like it was kind of a just shitty, you know, alien movie as far as Independence Day. You know what I mean? It was just like, like they were basically essentially just, mon it was a monster movie with aliens rather than, you know, so like from a guy who's like spent this time like making, you know, stuff about aliens and like, you know, taking it seriously. And then you've got this movie that makes tons of money and it's, you know. Yeah, and the best line is oops. What yeah. do you mean oops? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, there, is, there is no oops. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to my number one, which is Serenity. A 7.8 on IMDb. It came out in 2005. Tomato meter of 82% with an audience score of 91%. Written and directed by Josh Whedon, who created the show Firefly that this movie is based on. Uh, the film stars Nathan Fillion, Gina Torres, Chueto Ejofor, Alan Tudyk, Marina Baccarin, Adam Baldwin, Jewel State, Sean Mayer, and Summer Glau. This was Joss Whedon's uh, feature film debut. Uh, Serenity continues the story of the TV series it was based on. River Tam had a secret, one in which she's not even aware so dangerous, no one's safe, as an alliance operative sent to capture her, and all others are considered irrelevant to his job. So this, uh, I kind of did things a little backwards when it come in when it comes to this movie and this TV show. I saw this movie first. And then, as I usually do, I was looking at the trivia. I'm like, this is based on a TV show. I'm like, what are you talking about? So then I went and got the TV show, watched the TV show, and was immediately disgusted that it was canceled after one season. Yeah. Um, but this is a nice um, sort of. like an like an updated tribute to Star Wars like it's a space cowboy type thing yeah Nathan Fillion's character Mal is totally like a pirate type guy you know he wears a trench coat and the guns you know people have guns on their hips and stuff like that so it's it's pretty fun. There's a lot of um, great and unexpected fighting from uh, Summer Glau, who plays River. And yeah, that's great. And then Alan Tudyk plays Wash, and he's his normal self. He's just charming and funny and. Sadly, I mean, Josh Sweden is known for killing people in his TV shows and movies. Mm -hmm. So Wash gets it in this one. But if have you seen this or were you going to? Yeah, I, I have seen it. I just I saw it the one time okay. like, way back. And so I don't remember anything about it. I was going to rewatch it um, and unfortunately didn't get around to. So, yeah, I don't really have much to say. I don't. I remember hearing a lot about the TV show being before this movie. I remember because I read a lot of entertainment weekly and, you know, uh, used to stay pretty much up on a lot of stuff. And I remember 
hearing a lot about the TV show and how everybody was upset when it got canceled. And uh, I still haven't even seen the TV show um, that's based on. Um, although I do, you know, I, I do like Joss Whedon. I was a fan of Buffy, uh, the Vampire Slayer, both the movie and the TV show. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I really don't have any excuse for not having seen it. Um, I've heard nothing but good things about Firefly and and this movie. Um, and I remember I remember liking the movie quite a bit. Uh, like I said, I can't remember anything about it. Like I couldn't. Um, I mean, I, I know I know the premise, but, I you know, just like I know the premise of the TV show. And I know Josh Whedon basically pitched it or, or his intention was basically it was a Western in space. Um, it's kind of what the whole. You know thing is but but yeah I'll, I'll still probably try to watch this soon because I, I was kind of excited to see it because I like I said I haven't seen it since it came out which is you know almost 20 years ago now it's like what 16 17 years ago so yeah and I think some who whoever owned the rights was bought out by Disney at one point in time. So I think Disney now owns the rights or something like that. And I've yeah. heard rumblings of a a um, reboot of Firefly. Yeah. Well, I know the fans were, you know, like, they're the reasons this movie got made. Um, it was similar to a Veronica Mars type thing, but it, I mean, it wasn't like a Kickstarter campaign or like whatever. But like, I know there was a lot of like, online stuff about you know from the fans wanting the series to be rebooted and uh, there was talks about them redoing it back then um uh but then the, then for whatever reason they did the you know they did the movie instead i don't know whose decision that was but i do remember reading something along those lines of like it was kind of a happy medium of um being able to you know return to this the story but you know Rather than a TV series, they did just did the movie or whatever. But <clears throat> so I'm sure Josh Whedon has, you know, plenty of ideas still stashed back for you know if they do a yeah, reboot. Yeah, he's he's kind of in hiding right now, though. He's got yeah. no, he's got nothing on the horizon. He got called out for like sexual yes. misconduct or something. Yeah, there was some sort of treatment with uh, on the set of something. Justice League. Yeah, Justice League. Yeah, Gal Gadot or something. Um, well, nobody, nobody liked it when he came. In. Yeah. Her, her, and um, Ray, um, Ray, the robot guy. Oh yeah, yeah, Cyborg. Uh, yeah, I don't remember his name. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm. Where it's not even on here. Is he not? See, I, I wonder, though, because like, I mean, change the subject a little bit, but because, I mean. We blame Josh Whedon for Justice League not being good, but he just kind of came up and like. Did a, some, you know, wrap up on it. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's being unfairly blamed um because i don't think i don't think zach if, if i don't think if, if 
Zack Snyder hadn't been replaced, I don't know that Justice League would have been a better movie. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the Snyder cut is is far better, but there was no way that movie was going to be released. You know, I, th- I think it was the studio that cut it down and 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 whatever. Because, um, I mean, look at Josh, look what Josh Whedon did with the Avengers movies. I mean, he's not, you know. From, yeah, from with, with starting out with creative control and all, or not, maybe not control, but. Yeah, so, I mean, I think, I think Josh Whedon's unfairly getting blamed for, um, you know, for that aspect of, like, you know, of ruining the Justice League movie, because I, I have a feeling the studio did that, like, um, but, uh, but, yeah, so. <clears throat> But yeah, as far as the conduct and all that, obviously, I don't know. And that's horrible if that's true. But um, so, yeah, I, I have a feeling he's he's probably done, actually. Yeah. Because I doubt. Well, especially if you put on the face of being an ally and a liberal and a. <laughs> yeah. Progressive. Yeah. But I, it's it's just a shame though because I mean obviously I don't know what you know what's true or not but whether even if it's not true, um, you know there's no way he can you know like basically once you're accused, you know you're done which is you know kind of unfortunate that, um, you know but I don't know because <clears throat> there's two sides to every story but. Yeah, you know, it, it was funny. It is kind of funny that when Infinity War came out, a lot of people were, were like, doesn't this Thanos without the helmet, doesn't that kind of look like Joss Whedon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he, I mean, he is very, very creative and a good writer. Yeah. Yeah. He's sure. also huge, too. Isn't he like 6'6? Six, 6'5, six? Six, six, six? Oh. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. It's just weird to think. Yeah. If I, if I were to walk in the streets of Hollywood, I would feel like a midget. Probably. Probably. I don't know, unless you're standing next to Tom Cruise. Or Ben or Ben Stiller. Yeah. <laughs> I took a picture next to Ben Stiller's um uh like the at the Ripley's, believe it or not, his wax oh, figure. You mean, yeah, you mean that at the wax uh yeah museum there in Branson or whatever? Well, I did it in outside of Dallas. Oh. And I don't know how accurate they are height-wise, but I was taller than Ben Stiller, so I feel good about that. I think they're usually pretty accurate height-wise. But, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, from what I understand, I think they're supposed to be exact, you know, but I could be wrong. Anyways, moving right along um, to my number one, which is The Fugitive, which came out in 1993 with an IMDb rating of 7.8. Uh, 
a 96% tomato meter and an 89% audience score. Uh, based on the TV series, The Fugitive, created by Roy Huggins, uh, which ran from 1963 to 1967, uh, which is the same guy who did Maverick. Um, directed by Andrew Davis, uh, screenplay by Jeb Stewart, David Twohey or Tuhi, um, story by, same guy, uh, stars Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Joe Pantoliano, Cela Ward, Julianne Moore, and Jerowen Crabbe. Um, a well-respected Chicago surgeon, Dr. Richard Kimball, has found out that his wife, Helen, has been murdered ferociously in her own home. The police found Kimball and accused him of the murder. Then Kimball, without justifiable reason, was tried, convicted, and sentenced to death. However, on the way to prison, Kimball's transport crashed. Kimball escapes and is now on the run. Deputy Samuel Gerard from Chicago takes charge of the chase of Kimball. Meanwhile, Kimball takes up his own investigation to find out who really killed his wife and to lure Gerard and his team into it as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is easily my favorite um, based on TV movie. Um, obviously the best, um, probably considered by many to be the best. Um, but... Uh, it's definitely justifiable. Like I, I did rewatch this one and it, it still holds up. Like it's, it's, it's still, it is an amazing, um, thriller. Um, the characters are very well drawn. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, there is a reason why it was so successful. I mean, it was even, uh, nominated for best picture, I believe. Um, that year and i mean it was critically beloved and um all that but uh but yeah i mean with harrison ford and tommy lee jones i mean you really can't go wrong um and one or the other is on screen at all times so um but yeah it's essentially just a, a chase picture um of uh you know harrison ford on the run trying to solve the murder and You've got uh, Tommy Lee Jones trying to find him. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's got a, you know, the, the amazing train crash scene, um, which I guess uh, director Andrew Davis only had one shot or, you know, one chance to film that scene. Um, and so, um, you know, what you see is just one, one take and, and that was it. Um, and I guess that it actually crashed faster than they expected. The train was supposed to only go 35 miles an hour and ended up coming in at 42 miles per hour. Mm. Um, yeah, but still everything, everything still went, went as planned. Um, and yeah, everything you see was there was, you know, really, really happened except for Harrison Ford jumping out. That obviously was filmed against a, you know, green screen, um, because, you know, it happens like last minute. Clearly, they weren't going to put Harrison Ford in there, like having a train coming right at him. But yeah, other than that, like you, it's an actual, like not special effects. Like that's literally a, a train hitting a, a bus and, you know, which, you know, just goes to show that no matter how good the effects are, like that, that that's one of the greatest sequences. And I think a lot of it is due to it really being there and not just, you know, special effects. 
Um, it's the third highest grossing film of 1993. Um, and uh, originally Julianne Moore's character had a bigger role in the film. Um, as of now, she really just has a little scene where she, you know, just, you know, reports him. Um, there was actually going to be like a romance sort of um, between them um, as he came back for help from her. Um, but those were deleted. Um, yet her, she still, her name is predominantly in the, you know, beginning credits uh, or in the credits of the film as, you know, higher up. And it's because of that reason she had a bigger role, but it was just cut. Um, and then I guess the, the scene where Kimball is running through the St. Patrick's Day parade uh, was not scripted. Uh, it was just added. Uh, Director Andrew Davis is actually a native of Chicago, and a lot of his movies take place in Chicago. Um, and uh, yeah, he just really wanted to capture the parade. Um, it was granted permission. And so the, the whole sequence was actually done during the actual St. Patrick's Day parade. So... <clears throat> um yeah um that's well i got i guess uh except i guess um arnold schwarzenegger was considered at one point to play dr richard kimball and thank god they didn't that's that's just completely... i didn't i didn't kill my wife <laughs> <laughs> i didn't kill my wife it's not a tumor in the chopper <laughs> yeah it's just no what <laughs> Yeah, this is a good one. I had I had it on the list before we chose our number ones. Yeah, I can actually remember. I of course I'm not old enough to have seen the original series when it came out, but I have seen bits and parts of it because it ran on TV while I was growing up, and my grandmother would watch it. So. I don't think I ever sat down with her to watch it. I was maybe in the same room and caught some of it and, you know, yeah. saw saw someone's arm fall off and been like, what the heck is that about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. See, this this is one I don't think I, I, I wasn't familiar with the TV show uh, until the movie came out and then learned, you know, that it was based on the. Um, and I still haven't ever seen the tv show um although i bet it's good i mean it it's kind of ahead of its time as far as because like the premise of this uh, series isn't something that especially like back then there wasn't a lot of like serialized stuff like that where it was like pretty much like every episode was a continuation of the same same story so which I mean, nowadays that's pretty much every TV show or a lot of them, but but yeah, it's kind of a cool idea for a TV show. Like, got this guy trying to solve the murder of his wife. Like, mm -hmm. and every episode is a new piece of the puzzle. Like, yeah, and with this one, I thought it was great that they took the tommy lee jones and his team and those characters and made a sequel with them yeah 
and then added, you know, Wesley Snipes and Robert Downey Jr. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, not nearly as good as this movie, but yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the character that Tommy Lee Jones plays is good enough that they could, I mean, they could have made a series of movies and I'd have watched it. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a good character and easily, you know, you could easily do different stories with it and stuff, but. But yeah, it's yeah. I think I mean Tommy Lee Jones won, you know, best supporting actor um, for the role. And I mean, it's it's yeah. I mean, he's he kind of he steals the movie really. I mean, he his character really um, kind of rises it above you know just your basic you know chase thriller. Um, <clears throat> Well, a lot of the scenes between him and Harrison Ford were improvised, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's really interesting how his character... Because he's just doing his job. Tommy Lee Jones, he's, he doesn't... <coughs> you know, he even says, like, you know, I don't care. Like, he doesn't care if he's innocent or not. He's just, you know, it's his job to bring in this guy... And he does sort of end up caring a little bit um, and does kind of, you know, but um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a gradual, you know, change. It's not just, you know, it's not just one minute he's whatever. And then, you know, because even in the end, it's not, you don't really know so much that he cares. He still really just wants to catch the guy. He's just, because Harrison Ford has, you know, he's learned some stuff through whatever that he does kind of, you know, realize that the dude is innocent, but, um, but yeah, so there's just, there's great tension between those two. Um, I, I, the, the, the story, even, even though I, I, I remembered who did it, like there's still a lot of, you know, suspense and, you know, um even after knowing um and just kind of that it's a complicated it's a complex puzzle that's that's you know put together in this movie um <clears throat> that you know it's not just like oh aha or just a you know uh you know a, a complete new twist like it it gradually you know pieces things together and um <clears throat> you know we see we see it come together as as the character you know sees it come together and yeah, so I mean, it's just it's it's got great characters, a great story, great action, great suspense. <laughs> oh my goodness! What? My computer keeps trying to play the trailer. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And I guess the reason that they had uh, Harrison Ford have a beard at the beginning um, was to avoid having to have disguises um, for the character. They, they found that it was easier to have him have a beard at the beginning and then him shave it. 
Um, which I mean, I think was a good choice as far as, you know, having to have Harrison Ford disguise himself all the time. But at the same time, I don't know how well that would actually work um, in real life. You know, it's like, you, you do you, you do look different, you know, with a beard and without, but it's not that not enough different that I think somebody who's chasing you isn't going to have a picture with you without a beard, you know, like not not when you're 50 years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're a baby face, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Harrison Ford definitely doesn't look that different. Um, so, but but still, as far as a movie wise, I, yeah, I think it was a good choice because I don't know how how well the movie would have worked if it had him looking different in each scene and would have kind of maybe got a little gimmicky and weird like the saint with val kilmer you know which i like that movie but you know when you've got him you know in different disguises all the time it does get a little a little goofy yeah but yeah didn't you say that was this your number two before you took i off? don't probably I think that's what you said. I, I, <laughs> I could be wrong, but probably. All right. Well, I guess uh, run down our lists. Yeah. All righty. My number one was The Fugitive. Number two, X Files Fight the Future. Uh, number three, Wayne's World. Number four, 21 Jump Street. Number five, Get Smart. Number six, Adam's Family Values. Number seven, Dragnet. Number eight, Veronica Mars. Number nine, Maverick. And number 10, Mystery Science Theater 3000, the movie. And then I had to use as replacements my number 11 and number 12, which was Starsky and Hutch and Sergeant Bilko. All right, my... Number one was Serenity. My number two, Star Trek. My number three, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Number four, Mission Impossible. Number five, Maverick. Number six, The Addams Family. Number seven, The A-Team. Number eight, Dark Shadows. Number nine, Dragnet. Number ten, Coneheads. And I had to use... Land of the Lost. Thank you for joining us on Two Middle-Aged Men in Their Top Ten for this episode of Top Ten Movies Based on Television Shows for our picks of five through one. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, if you'd like to check out our social media, we are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all with the same handle, at to MAM top 10. That's at the number two MAM T-O-P-T-E-N. Please follow, rate, and review, and we will holler at you next week. Bye.